Our emotions are designed, they're designed to inform us, not to direct us. There is no number you're ever going to get to that is going to heal whatever is going on inside of you. I think defining what it means to be a man is not possible. And, and when I say I don't think it's possible, I think I mean on a mass scale of agreement throughout societies. Oftentimes, anger is simply sadness masked. Because I feel like you never really stop growing. And if you have stopped growing, like you're already dead in the water. You know, stagnation is synonymous to death. You are now embarking on the Imperfect Experience. Hello, Imperfect listeners. It's your host, Luke West, back with another episode where we discuss masculinity and manhood more intentionally and purposefully. On this episode, my guest is Lois Wagner, and we talk about her goal to eradicate sexual violence, her brave model, her rape story, and more. Lois helps rape victims move from victim to survivor to thriver. She guides you to build your resilience and grit, to develop a growth mindset, to energize your mojo, and learn to forgive. She does this via one-on-one coaching, group masterminds, and keynote presentations. Her work is based on her personal major adversities and life experiences. Lois was attacked, raped, and left for dead. She was forced into her retirement and experienced many other challenges. Lois learned to forgive. She forgave her rapist, which we talked about on this episode, and moved on to a more rewarding and fulfilled life. Lois has written a book, Walking Without Skin, A Journey of Healing, From Fear to Forgiveness to Freedom. She's developed a program, Brave. Uh, it's an acronym which we also discussed so make sure to stick around for that uh, which is designed to fight toxic masculinity and eradicate gender-based and domestic violence and you can find out more on her website walkingwithoutskin.com if you like this episode make sure to press subscribe follow leave a review and message me on instagram at the imperfect pod or email me at luke at the imperfect pod.com i always want to hear from my listeners and continue the conversation also as it's the last week of november a month about men's mental health you can continue to find a link to my friend gautham's november fundraiser in the description of this episode let's get into it now Hey, Imperfect listeners, I am here with a really cool episode um, with Lois Wagner. So kind of before we get into it, Lois, why don't you give the audience a little bit of your background and why you wanted to be on my podcast and share your story? Well, I don't know about a little bit of a background because at my age, with all my experience, I could be talking (laughs) the whole podcast about my background. Um, But basically, I was attacked by a stranger, brutally attacked, um, and raped and left for dead. And as a result of that, I went on this mission to change the world. But the world that I was trying to change was to help I wanted to change the law that allowed these people to be out on the streets, and I wanted to help women who had suffered as I had suffered. And so I spent a lot of time and energy and effort in that direction. So I did things like um, I created a program from thriver, from victim to survivor to thriver and beyond to freedom. So that was helping the victims move beyond victimhood. And I've spent a lot of my energy in that arena. And then just recently, I thought, no, wait a minute, this is wrong. Why should we be helping people overcome their trauma? We should rather stop the trauma in the first place. And that means getting rid of toxic masculinity. So so that is why I want to move my, my emphasis away from helping victims to stopping it happening in the first place. 
Yeah. And and I love that I when you shared that story with me, uh, it was really impactful. Um and you know, I I think I just wrote an article saying why men should listen to women on topics of toxic masculinity and I think it's really important that men shut up sometimes about its <laughs> negative effects because a lot of the time it, one it negatively affects men that is clear as day but also it negatively affects affects a lot of women like i they won't get into the front seat of an uber by themselves they have to walk home with their keys so i i guess my question to you would be who are you working with to be proactive in starting stopping it from happening in the first place and what is your framing of that message? Like what age group of men are you working with? Are you working with men? Like, tell me a little bit more about that. Zero to 150 year olds. (laughs) (laughs) And it's men and women. So, um, It's important that we start in the home and we start in the schools and we start in the religious institutions with the little kids, that they start understanding right from wrong. Um, And so we need to get into the schools, into those institutions and start there. And then obviously working with parents to help them. Uh, And that's the long-term result because we've got the problem in in the now with the men who are, are are already toxic so we have to work with those men in the in the short term to try to try and change these behaviors mm-hmm. so it's a it's a long-term project um, yeah but my, my objective is to eradicate sexual violence <laughs> yeah and i i love it it's such a strong mission it's a it's a long-term one it's a really hard one but it's rewarding right and i think if you don't dream big you're not dreaming if your dreams don't scare you you're not dreaming big enough and i think that that's a big dream um i I guess a question i have is that you're in south africa do you see a cultural difference in terms of toxic masculinity there do you think it's the same that is it is over in north america i'm really interested in hearing that uh that cultural difference well i (laughs) i've never been to america so i've never sort of met americans in america i've obviously met americans here and there I don't – the male persona in South Africa is quite aggressive, uh, but I, I couldn't say it was any more aggressive than anywhere else. I lived in the Middle East for 11 years, and I find the men are gentler <laughs> mm. to to their women, but maybe a little bit more aggressive to those who are not their women and those of inferior, in inverted commas, status. Uh, so I think men are the same all over the world, or there's a lot of similarities. And it yeah. really goes back, it's more than culture, it goes back to their upbringing uh, and and their values. Mm-hmm. And how, what has have you had pushback from men in the community about the work you're trying to do? Because I know that a lot of people in America, there's movements that men, there's no such thing as toxic masculinity. There's like that doesn't exist. That's just. And and in the ways sometimes I agree with them. Like I don't think every behavior that's labeled as toxic is toxic. However, you know I think everything in moderation is is better. And there's times where men can go too far, and that behavior that shouldn't be toxic is like aggression is made into something that it shouldn't be. 
Yeah, I haven't had any pushback. In South Africa at the moment, there's this huge gender-based violence movement to to stop gender-based violence. Um, it's a little bit out of control. We have a lot of femicide, um, a lot of incest, a lot of uh, domestic violence, and a lot of stranger rape. So it's 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 a really bad situation. I did some research trying to compare our statistics to other statistics around the world. And whilst I think India and South Africa seem to have amongst the worst statistics, uh, it also depends on the definition. And mm-hmm. and South Africa has a very broad definition of rape. And so the statistics seem to be worse than anywhere else. But America, even Germany, had very high statistics. So uh, I think it's a common problem throughout the world. And, you know, if I just have to say, you look at your your leader – um, he doesn't help. <laughs> He's not a yeah. good role model in this in in this game. Um, yeah. So fortunately, <laughs> he's not my leader. I live in Canada, so oh, okay. uh, we uh, everyone does not like Trump up here. Uh, well, for the most part, I would say. Um, but you know, I think going more into a little bit about your story and your. Um, I guess, experience with sexual violence and, and being raped. Um, like, when was that in the context of your life? If you don't mind my asking that. I know that uh, you said, like, like how long have you been doing this work, I guess? Okay, well, it's a, it's quite a long story. It happened many years ago. It happened 26 years ago. Um, and I went on the rampage immediately. Because remember, in those days, it wasn't a spoken about topic. People, it was impolite to even mention those words. Mm-hmm. And so I became an activist and I wanted to change the law more, more than anything else. South Africa just was just coming out of apartheid and they were mm-hmm. busy rewriting the constitution and they were asking for submissions from the general public. So I was out lobbying and getting petitions and I wanted to change the world. So I worked on that for, for some time and then I lost momentum. Um, I also wanted to start a a, a group for women to help them uh, survive, move out of the victimhood to survivorhood, and how to protect themselves physically. Uh, and I lost momentum. I, I fell ill, psychosomatically ill, as a result of, of my experiences. Mm. And then I gave up and I went back into normal work, got a job, <laughs> carried on with my life. But it was always my intention to do this. And then in 20. 2009, I was living in the Middle East and I decided I was going home for my first holiday. And for some reason, the the rapist had been given a 25-year sentence. And I don't know what possessed me, but I decided to phone the authorities and find out uh, if he was still incarcerated. And they told me that he was coming up for a parole hearing the day after I landed in South Africa. And that was Mm. just too much of a coincidence. Also, the law had just changed a year before in South Africa, allowing what they call victims to attend parole hearings. So I actually was the first person in South Africa to attend a parole hearing. And I went to the prison and I forgave the rapist. Uh, and wow. that was just such a freeing thing that I did. It, it's because forgiveness is not about the other person. It's about you. And it's about breaking the bond that is tying you to that emotion or situation or person. Uh, 
And so by breaking, by forgiving, I broke that bond and I could literally fly out of that prison free of that trauma. So that was the first step. And then in 2014, I went to a, a conference. And it was like 300 people in this conference. And the guy on the stage said, is anybody here who's got a great vision? And I don't know what prompted me. I jumped up and I said, I want to eradicate sexual violence. <laughs> and yeah. everybody, everybody jumped up and applauded and it was all very great. Um, and so I got going again, uh, got me motivated again to start. But it's really only taken off in the last two years. Yeah. So. And, and that's amazing. And I loved your story about um, forgiveness because – you know, I don't think anyone really ever owes it to anyone else to forgive them, right? You didn't do it to for the rapist, you, but you did it for yourself to free yourself from that situation. So, I guess how long, like, were you, did you harbor resentment for a long time? Like, was it something that was eating you up for a while? That whole experience, and and how, like, is that why you chose to forgive when you did? You know, it's it's a difficult question to answer because each person, as they go on to a healing journey, goes through it at a different pace. And when you are in that victim mode, oh, woe is me, I hate and I'm angry and everybody's nasty and you, you, you've got guilt and self-doubt and depression and all of those emotions, there is no way you can even consider forgiving when you are in that phase of your healing journey. When you move into the struggle phase, that is when you start looking for meaning and you start, so you, it's, the, the survivor is called, by, by the sheer nature of the word, surviving is struggling. Uh, mm. and, and that's when you're reaching out, you start talking to other people, you start getting help. And then, and, and then you move into the thriving phase and that's when you become future focused. And it's only in that phase where you can actually start uh, thinking about forgiveness because you can't forgive while you're a victim and you can't forgive while you're struggling to survive. So it depends on how quickly you go through that journey. Mm -hmm. And it took me 14 years to go through that journey. And I, it could have been a lot quicker. I didn't have the support that is out there today. Today there's so much support uh, and it shouldn't have to take you 14 years to get to your forgiveness mm. phase. Yeah. And I, that's just a really powerful statement. And, you know, it it's impossible for me to even think about that situation um, and, and having to go through all of that. So as a woman, did that experience affect your relationships with men? And has that affected your relationships with men? Like at least maybe at the start or, or re like right after Definitely. it happened? Definitely at the start, it was very difficult. I, I, I had a, a, a partner that we had just broken up <laughs> and mm. he came back to visit and he didn't know about what had happened. And uh, I just couldn't, I just couldn't be with him. Uh, even though I really wanted him, I couldn't be with him. So it did affect me initially, but it didn't take me too long to overcome that. Okay. So, what would what would you kind of say to women who may struggle? Because I think right now there's a lot of pain in society. For, um, 
about men from women. I know like there's kill all men is a thing that a lot of people say. I'm not sure if that's as common in South Africa. Um, but like I see a lot of young women who have been hurt by toxic masculinity. And that doesn't mean that it just happened in rape. It could be relationships and and people feeling like they're getting played and there seems to be a lot more infidelity at younger ages right now with just how many options are out there so what would you kind of say to women who are hurt because of men and and how to overcome their own healing process because i think that's also really really important if we want to build a, a healthy society well i think the first thing is they need to communicate um with somebody you don't, you know, I went public. That was the way I went. But you don't have to go public. You need to talk to somebody, be it a family member, a friend, a therapist. You need to talk. You need to get it out. The more you talk, the easier it becomes. The universe sort of picks up some of the, the, the pain and carries it for you. So by sharing it and writing, you know, write your emotions. Uh, I really encourage people write how you're feeling. Just every day what is happening why do I feel like this how much and feel the emotion so if you feel hatred or anger or pain whatever it is feel that emotion it's a real emotion and it's there for a reason a lot of people say "Ah, just forget it you know brush it under the carpet Um, that doesn't help because 10 years later it's going to come back and it's going to haunt you so Mm -hmm. you need to deal with the emotion as it arises and then there's various methodologies to to work through that emotion but Mm -hmm. accept it first thing is accept whatever it is acknowledge the hurt accept the emotion and then we work with that yeah and I, I think that's very true is that, you know, I, I think that's something that a lot of men face too, is that right now we're being told that our anger is invalid. And um, I don't think our anger is invalid. I think act the way men choose to act on our anger is invalid, like invalid. And that's the message that a lot of men don't seem to get is that no one's saying that you can't be kind of an aggressive male. Just don't be an aggressive male in a toxic way that hurts other people. Just like if you want to, if your aggressiveness is, yes, I'm going to protect my family at all costs. Okay, good on you. That's kind of what you're supposed to do. No one's saying that you can't do that. But where is that aggression coming from? Is it coming from a healthy place of, you know, this person threatened my family and I want to be aggressive towards them? Or this guy literally called out, called me weak or something. And I felt insecure and I challenged him to an unnecessary battle and to me it's like all feelings that you feel are valid that doesn't mean that they're right and I think that that is something that a lot of people just don't work with is is you know I feel like I'm allowed to be angry I'm, I'm it's valid but I don't like feeling angry and I don't feel right being angry at someone else because that means that I have to work through something on my own. Like I have to be able to work through that emotion to find out why I'm angry. It's not enough to just say I am angry. It's why am I angry and, and really get to the, the core of that. Now, when I work with people who are in that angry phase, I get them to express their anger. Uh, what, what do they want to do to the person? <laughs> what mm. is, how, but I make sure they don't act on it <laughs> because yeah. it's important that they feel that emotion. And my anger is so mad, I want to kill him. I, I, I'm so cross with him, I want to break his neck. I want to kick him in the you-know-what. Um, and that's absolutely fine to have that feeling. Feel it. 
don't act on it. Yeah. <laughs> I've got, I love I've, that. I've actually got what I call my zap dummy. It's a life-size stuffed dummy. And yeah. uh, if, if I do a face-to-face with somebody, an in-person meeting, I say, he has a, 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 one of these swimming pool noodles. And I say, yeah, beat, <laughs> beat the dummy with his noodle. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard of that. There's like anger rooms that you can go out and rent and then you just go and smash the things or something. And, and it apparently is, and you can yell as much as you want. They're soundproof. And um, I think that's a pretty cool uh, addition to therapy or, or whatever life that they live. But um, kind of talking to now the framework that you use in your coaching and teaching to tell people um, that toxic masculinity is is bad and we need to eradicate it. You know, I I believe the um, abbreviation is is brave. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? That's right. And it, and I want men and women to be brave. Uh, it's so important, and that both men and women understand what it is to be brave. So that if a woman uh, can understand that she can help the men in her life, be they her brothers, her children, her friends, her partner. She can help teach people to be brave. So what is brave? Brave is my acronym that I've created. So B is for boundaries. If we can understand what boundaries are and communicate, you know, everything goes back to communication. If we can just share and understand each other and you know, what are your boundaries? So when you go into a relationship, because a lot of the the violence uh, around toxic masculinity is within a relationship. You know, mm. my, my case was extreme. It was a stranger. But most of the, 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 the abuse is in the home. And so the communication should be there right up front. These are my boundaries. This is what I expect from you. What do you expect from me? In the bedroom, where do I like to be touched? Where do I not like to be touched? Actually sharing those emotions, those, those wants, those desires, and being honest in that communication. Then the, the R is respect, and that is obvious. It's just respect those boundaries, respect the person's values, respect the person for who and what they are and what they want and like and don't like. And again, that goes back to bringing kids up from when they're little, you know, respect. I know it's quite hard, you know, with some of the feminist movements, you know, most feminist movements are quite middle of the road, but you do get the very extreme feminists. It's like, don't open the car door for me. I can open it myself. And mm-hmm. so the poor man is a little bit confused now. He doesn't quite know what he's supposed to do. Should he open the door or not? So what is respect? And it goes back to communication. I respect that you want to open your own door. I respect that you want me to open your door. So Mm -hmm. it goes back to communication. And then the A is agreement. (laughs) And it's not saying no. It is saying yes enthusiastically. Now, we can talk about you're in the middle of a passionate embrace. You're going to stop stop and say, are you happy that we continue? (laughs) And it can definitely spoil the moment. But men have got to learn to read the body language as well. 
if the woman is not responding passionately, he's got to understand that is not a passionate response. And then he needs to check in with her. Does she want to continue? Uh, it's so important to get an enthusiastic yes consent in, in any kind of sexual liaison. Mm -hmm. So that's a big one. Again, communication. <laughs> and then the V, um, it stands for your values. And it starts with self-awareness. Do you know what your values are? Uh, a lot of people have never examined their values. What are my values? What is it that is important to me? And then what are the values of my partner? And then vulnerably sharing that with each other, being vulnerable and saying, but this is how I feel. This is what I want. And uh, again, communication. And then finally, the E, I've got three E's. One is equality, obvious, share equally, listen equally. Uh, the other is empathy. Women tend to have more natural empathy. Men seem to have to learn it. But empathy, to understand how your partner or the other person or the other situation, understand the feelings and the emotions that are going with that, and then empower yourself with the right decisions. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, in brief, the, the BRAVE model. Yeah. And now I want to go down and break it down because you said some great things in there um, that I really, really loved. And and one was like in boundaries, and all of it comes down to communication. And it's it always blows my mind how people are not great at communication and, and kind of just saying what's on their mind. And I feel like that's something I've always been able to do. I kind of have a, a like I've been able to communicate. But when it comes to those boundaries in a relationship, like how like what have you seen with the people that you work with that makes it so hard to communicate? What is that? What is that? one thing that holds them back from communicating honestly about the boundaries that they face? People don't listen. They don't want to listen. They don't want to hear what the other person is saying. They just want to get their opinion across. And so it's about, it really is about the communication. So one of the things is we tend to say when we're in a situation, we tend, I want to do this. I don't want you to do that, but I want you to do this. And the word but is a very negative word. So we should replace the word but with and. So you say, I don't want you to do that and I would like you to do this. Mm. So really if we communicate with and rather than but, because when you say but, whatever gets said before the word but is not, is not heard. So if you, say, if you say to somebody, I love you in that new dress, but... Uh, I would prefer to be in pink. They don't hear that you love the dress. They just hear that you prefer it to be in pink. Mm -hmm. So the word but is so negative. So if you say, I love your new dress, and it would look so much better if it was in pink, they say, yes, he likes it. Maybe I'll go and buy another one in pink. Mm. And and so it, it's just really listening and then building on a conversation rather than arguing with the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so when you express your boundaries, say, and I would prefer this. I don't want this. And we can try this. Yeah. No, yeah, it's just, I find it so fascinating. And I, I totally agree with the word, but, um, 
it, I think I use it not too much, but I, I try not to use it that much. Um, and it just, boundaries are so important, especially in sex. And then going to the uh, respect and agreement aspect of it, because I've had conversations with other men about consent and and it is body language, right? And I've been, I've talked with women who say if they ask me for consent during our emotional or like you know if, during our embrace during the foreplay, if I'm if they if the male asks if he's okay to continue, like that's a huge turnoff for some women. And so then it becomes really hard to navigate that whole consent thing sometimes because, well, where is the line of should I be asking? Should I not be asking? And that's why I'm I'm a huge proponent of you know just read the body language is 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 it a hard work for her to lean into you is she leaning into your embrace into your passion or is she leaning away and making it really hard for you to get close to her um, so what are your thoughts on on that whole consent conversation and you kind of alluded to it but I'm 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 really wanting you to expand on that I'd I'd need to demonstrate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, it's so difficult because, you know, uh, to me, it, to me, it's fairly obvious. If a woman doesn't open her mouth in the kiss, she's telling you something. You know, it, it's it's an obvious sign. If she's not caressing you back, it's a sign. Uh, it's it's. I really, I really don't know how a man can't see that. It's mm. listening, it's it's observing. Is are her, is she looking at you? What is is she frowning? What is her facial expression? Is she clutching her fingers? You know, so you've got to be really, really aware of of the entire body language. And like you say, leaning in. If she's leaning into you, that's a good sign. If you're pushing yeah. her into you, then that's different because <laughs> yeah. in, in a heavy embrace, maybe she has no choice but to to lean into you. Yeah. So it, it's diff- it's a difficult one, and I think one needs to demonstrate it with with young teenagers. Show them what mm. is acceptable uh, contact, what is not mm-hmm. acceptable contact. You know, I think of that first sexual liaison I had or didn't have after I was raped. Um, we were getting quite intimate, and I just pulled back. I just could not go the next step. Um, mm-hmm. And he fortunately saw that, and he stopped. And he mm-hmm. realized he didn't know why I pulled back, um, and but he realized it, and he pulled away. So yeah, he he, I, were, he, he had that sensitivity or that empathy. Yeah, I I also feel like it's not super hard to to tell, but. At the same time, um, like I, I guess one of my questions would be, what do you think is the role of the woman to communicate clearly? No, like I, I know that there's a lot of gray area in the whole conversation, right? Which is just the natural way of of how it works. But that is never an excuse to go beyond what someone is comfortable doing, of course. But at what point is it? You know, there needs to be a clear no rather than just be reading body language, because I think some men may just suck at reading body language and some people in general suck at reading body language like i know people who have been in social situations and they left thinking that it was and i've been in social situations where i thought i left being oh that was a really good good time and then really i i found out that it was not a good time at all and i'm like oh am i am i that oblivious or like what was really happening so at what point is there the need to say a real like like verbal no 
Well, the minute she feels uncomfortable, she needs to say stop. Mm. And, and and there's no there's no other way to do it. Stop! I don't want to do this anymore. And mm-hmm. and she's allowed to change her mind. You know, I've been in situations that I thought, oh, this is fun. I like this man, and then suddenly you think, wait a minute, I don't want to do this. You know, I, I like mm. him. I like the kissing and the cuddling, but I actually don't want to go the next step. And then I say stop. And mm. fortunately, most men do stop, but uh, yeah. unfortunately, there's a large number that don't. Yeah. Yeah, because so, uh, the woman has to say stop, and the man has to realize stop means stop. I know a lot of women are scared to say stop. Um, you know, the, the husband, if it's if it's in a relationship, he might be a violent person, so she's afraid of the consequences of saying stop. Um, but then she should get out of that relationship. If she's scared to say stop, then she she's got to get out. Yeah, no, and that's something that that is. It is a real problem in in the male community is that even when you say no, the guy just becomes angrier and it's worse for the woman, which is terrible. Like I can name a lot of women who have been at either clubs and they've been getting hit on and they just have like the only way to get this guy to stop hitting on them is to tell them that they have a boyfriend. And even them, sometimes that doesn't work. And it's these all these clear no's that they don't want those those advancements, those sexual advancements. And then the guy still does it. And so if that is his behavior in the club, that's probably going to be, be his behavior in the bed in the bedroom mm-hmm. like that. And those are are huge red flags for a lot of girl or for should be red flags for a lot of people. But at the same time, they don't seem to be because that that dude has clearly shown that he has no respect for you as an individual at all. And I wish that a lot more of the women in my life or, you know, I know a lot of women who go for guys like that because, oh, it's like confidence. I'm like, that's not confidence. That's literally just being an asshole. And then he's going to hurt you in ways that you were not wanting. Mm-hmm. And like... I don't know. That's just something that I see, but that goes back to the whole no thing is some guys don't even respond to no and they just make it more aggressive, which is really well, dangerous. I mean, if I talk about my my experience, um, the the guy, he attacked me from behind. I didn't hear him come. And and then we I fought. <laughs> I physically fought him. We had a major fight. Uh, he unfortunately won. But at one point, I managed to have a dialogue with him and I said, to, uh, the phone rang and I said, oh, that's my boyfriend. Um, he's going to want to know where I am and he's going to come looking, so you better go. That didn't stop him. Uh, and then he, yeah, and then at one point I said, hey, you know, my name's Lois and what's your name? And he told me his name. Well, he told me a version of his name. Mm. But I thought, okay, I've got through to him. And then just lost it. So, you know, the the dialogue just did not help. He was in a frenzy um, and I just could not get through to him. So stop didn't help. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, the, and the fascinating part about the, the sense of entitlement, when we had the court case, uh, his defense, <laughs> his, his defense was that I was that chick, I was that woman who stood on the street corners and picked up male prostitutes. So it was okay to have sex with me without my consent. Mm. It was his defense. 
Wow. I don't know what street corner I was standing on, but anyway, that was his defense. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's crazy. I, I don't know if you're from, do you know the Brock Turner case in America? Have you ever heard of that? Um, he was me? a stand. He's a Stanford um, yeah. Yeah. Sw- swimmer. Yeah. yeah. I'm reading his um, victim's book right now, and I can only read about five pages at a time before I get really angry and I have to put the book down because I just read her story and it I get so, so mad reading it. And I'm like, I want to, if I ever saw this guy, I'd punch him in the face. I'd rip off his neck. Like I, I literally can't, it, it makes me so angry from a human level reading this book and all the things that she had to go through in the, in the, in the system and in the the way she was framed in the public and in the media as this girl who wanted it and oh it was her fault that she got this drunk like it i i literally had this i have to stop reading every once in a while and, and put it down for a week because i i can't read it uh my for my mind like how was your experience in the, in the court system and like were you un, like being labeled as something that you're not or those experiences invalidating your experiences well, I was lucky because mine was pretty much a cut and dried case, if you can call mm. that lucky. <laughs> but, um, you know, it it was a violent attack and he had no reason to be there. And so it was a cut and dried case. So I never had any of that, that fallback. But, yeah, victim blaming is a very big thing. I, I worked with some woman who she also got drunk and she blamed herself totally because she climbed willingly into a man's car. And mm. uh, so, yeah, it, and it's huge. And her court case was dreadful. She hated every minute of it. So some of us have a, a better situation than others. It's really, really hard. Um, victim blaming, uh, that's part of toxic masculinity because it's the men that say that. You know, that's mm-hmm. what we've got to eradicate, that men start calling each other out when when they hear others say things like that. I worked with a bunch of school kids the other day, mixed girls and boys, uh, teenagers, and uh, we workshopped, what are, what are you going to do to be brave? And the one little boy said, oh, I'm going to stop my friends from sending ugly texts um, out. Mm. And I thought out of all of them, one boy stood up and said he's going to be counted. And I just thought, wow, well, good on him. And I just hope his friends don't bully him out of continuing with that approach. Mm. But that's what we've got to do. We've got to get people to change how they they communicate. Mm-hmm. Communication is, is a huge one. And victim blaming is another big problem in the whole conversation. And and it's it's such a really gray area like i never want to it, it's a, it's a fine line between you know believing the guy actually did it but also not believing her or and also believing her story like you know the way sexual experiences can happen sometimes is two people have sex and then they leave thinking that the experience was two different ways right and and that's something that i hear a lot about is uh, uh you know either a girl will be on on Tinder and have like an online dating hookup and they'll say, you know, it was, it was an unenjoyable experience. And the guy, if I know the guy in the same situation was like, yeah, it was the best sex he ever had in his life. And that's like one that's completely consensual, but it's, it's, you hear that there's two different stories that come out of that same situation. Cause it's all subjective, I guess, in terms of who you've been with before and, and whatnot. But 
when it comes to a lot of these cases, it's like they were the only two people in the room or in that situation for the most part. And those are the only two accounts that you can really trust. And what is true in that situation? Is it like, does the, the guy get permission to keep going? And then it like at some point it just ended like how aggressive, like there's so many things that are yeah. unclear in rape cases specifically which is why it makes it so hard like to me i always want to lean to the believing the woman and at least or at least validating her experiences right like saying you know what you think happened may have happened and it did happen at the same time as a guy i know how how hard it is to be like to read every single piece of that situation and and think what you did was okay mm. and, and because you you don't really know what happened you're like i don't i like if i don't think i personally crossed any lines i don't think i did this like so that is where it's really hard and i never want i'm never want to victim blame but as a guy or and as a guy i won't say but as a guy (laughs) and as a guy it's really hard to not be empathetic towards the the male situation unless it's like really cut and dry case right like I know that sounds unempathetic, but that's kind of how I how I see it sometimes. See, unfortunately, unfortunately, there are women who will accuse a man, even though he he didn't. You know, she she flirts with him, she leads him on. Afterwards, it was either a bad experience or something, and she says, "Oh no, I didn't want it. He raped me." Um, and it does happen. It does happen. And again, yeah. it's he, he said, she said. And, you know, half the time you'll never get to the truth behind it. So date rape, um, it's a difficult one. Those, those relationship issues, it, it, there is no easy answer. Um, I, I just say start by believing the woman. Even, you know, later on, on, maybe it's disproved, but give her the benefit of the doubt until it's disproved. Um, Yeah. Because if it is real, she's going through hell. Yeah. And, and that's the thing too. Like I, I think you can equally validate her experiences and what she thinks happened and not accuse the guy of, of committing the crime. Cause I don't really believe in, in, um, uh, what's that phrase that everyone says? Oh, you're not, you're not, you're not guilty until you're Even, not innocent. <laughs> you're you're innocent not, until proven guilty. Yes, not, <laughs> yes, that one. You're innocent until proven guilty. So I think you can do both and validate them. And and yes, unfortunately, that does happen with false accusations. Um, or you know, and I that's very rare. It's like I it's less than one percent or something. I believe from from some of the statistics that I've read and I've I've worked in schools with that, um, at least in North America, but. Um, I do know women who who have said, yeah, it was just bad sex. Therefore, I said he assaulted me or something or he lured me in. And then you're just like, you just have a lot of shame maybe about your decision to have sex with the guy. And now this is your defense to say, to still kind of claim that purity. And that that rarely happens, but it does happen. And, and that is something that I think a lot of guys fear right now because we've been almost trained to believe that we're does I think that one of the problems is that we're trained to believe that our sex is like desirable sometimes and like all we're always good and our egos get the best of us. Um but like we there is a problem there and, and a lot of guys think why would they why would a woman ever regret sex with me? I'm great. <laughs> um which which is a which is a huge problem. 
There was a movie I just watched recently on Netflix. Unfortunately, I can't think of the name, but it was a true story about this man who was he was sentenced to so many years in jail for raping this girl. He was at school. He was 16. He was going to be an NFL player, mm. and he was scouted and everything. And then, of course, he went to jail, and he never got his when he was finally um, proven innocent. Uh, but of course, it was he had spent so many years in jail. He never got back to his NFL career. But mm-hmm. there, there is a case, a true story of of um, false accusation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and, and it's it, just so sad. A man's life was ruined. Yeah, it, but I, it's it's like one of those things where the the woman's life may have been ruined, right? Like that's why it's such an interesting. It's such a hard crime to really understand which is why I, I love your proactive approach which is i think the best way and and talking about empathy and and i also think that men don't have as much natural empathy and i think that comes you know we talk about how women are are natural child to bears no not child bears but um caretakers like that is is the frame of reference and men are typically the ones that go to work there is some truth behind women being better caretakers because that they are the ones that raise the child in their body right and that doesn't mean that we should discriminate against her in the workplace at all because that is also wrong but we also need to understand that we do need to train men to have more empathy because for myself even I think a lot of men are proactive in in a lot of ways just in a lot of our, our thinking we're very solutions oriented a lot of the time and Normally, being solution-oriented means that you're not really listening to the person that's telling you the problem because you're just like, okay, let's let's get to a solution, let's get to a solution, let's get to a solution. So that, And I was actually just thinking about this yesterday or the day before, so it's funny that you brought it up because I've had to teach myself empathy and I, I am not, to me, like a lot of my friends think I'm very empathetic, but internally I don't think I'm very empathetic because I just want them to get to the point of the problem and then find a solution to that problem. And I really don't have time for people in my life who always complain about problems, but never implement solutions. So it is true that I, I am very solutions oriented in terms of your life, but I've also learned that I've had to train myself to be empathetic, which is why I talk to people from all different backgrounds to try to understand their stories, their lessons, their their values, because that is how you get to the point of reducing toxicity in yourself and in, in society as a whole. Well, absolutely. Goes back to communication. <laughs> <laughs> Everything goes back to communication. Um, but the last one I wanted to talk to you about uh, is the E, the equality. Well, I guess va- values too. Um, I've, I skipped over that one. So we'll get, we'll go to that one. Um, but like understanding your values are important. So what would you say are some of the values that you try to teach um, with your program brave and, and which ones are the ones that a lot of kids try to take away and I think are important in this whole realm of toxic masculinity and overcoming it? Well, I don't teach anyone to have, um, values per se, because your values come from your community, from your parents, from your upbringing, 
uh, and your own beliefs. So it's a matter of understanding those values and what they mean to you and how you can live by those values. And those values originally come from the home. That's where they should be taught, the home and the schools and the institutions. And they they almost indoctrinated values. <laughs> it's mm. you, thou, thou shalt not kill, you know, those kind of values. Um, and every religion has those same values. So those are, I call them the indoctrinated values we should all have those basic beliefs. You should not mm -hmm. harm another person. Um, you should always say please and thank you. <laughs> so yeah. those are given. And obviously, if people don't have them, then there's a lot of work that has to be done. Uh, but the values that I'm looking at is your personal values. And you have to identify what they are. So... Uh, when I work with people on identifying those values, I normally start with a list of about 30 and I say, pick the top 10. And mm. then I say, all right, now pick five of those. Now pick three of those and now pick one of those. And it's very hard because your top 10, you want them all. Um, and mm -hmm. it's very difficult. But when you get down to it, there's one value that really stands out for you amongst all the others. And if you can really understand that and live by that, you're well on your way to being a good man or a good woman. What, what's your one value? Freedom. Mm. Well, what's your definition of freedom in that sense? Just to be free financially, emotionally, physically, to be able to to manage my life. Free, freedom and forgiveness, the two go together. Mm. Um, yeah. and, and to be able to forgive, forgive yourself. We all make mistakes. We all go wrong. Uh, forgive yourself. You're human. You make a mistake. Just don't make it too often because then it's <laughs> learn from your mistake. Uh, yeah. But forgive yourself and forgive the people around you. Uh, and, yeah, and that gives you that freedom. Mm-hmm. I th that's beautiful. And then moving on to uh, vulnerability, because you said there's two V's. So, what's the importance of vulnerability in uh, in in the communication and in the in the programs that you do? Just to authentically and honestly share. You know, let people know how you're feeling. Let let your partner know what he or she is doing is you're not comfortable with um, saying, I don't like that saying this, this is why I don't like it. Be letting people know, especially men, the macho man, he's too scared to tell people how he feels and that he's hurting. Um, you know, real men don't cry. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. they don't want to speak about, about how they're feeling about things. So we need to get them to express. We need to everybody to be able to express their fears, their concerns, their desires, their actions, their dreams. Uh, and that's what, for me, vulnerability is. It's, it's letting it out, sharing. Mm -hmm. And Beautiful. again, again, you don't have to share as publicly as I do, but, yeah. you, but share with somebody and definitely with your partner. Yes, 100%. Vulnerability has been the number one thing in my life. I think that's made like a positive effect and it's led me to this podcast and meeting amazing people. So I always tell people, you know, vulnerability is the key to life being open with yourself. I'm, I am a chronic overshare um, <laughs> because I'd rather overshare and over communicate, I guess, than undershare and under communicate and, and hurt myself because of it. I'd rather have people know too much than know nothing at all. I think is, is my philosophy towards, for, towards vulnerability. Um, but we talked a little bit about empathy, but now empowerment. 
so how 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 important is the role of empowerment? Because I would imagine that this is more towards women than it is the men, or or is that wrong when it comes yeah. to the empowerment? You know, I just think of that little boy that I spoke about that was going to tell his friends. He, he has to be empowered to do that. He has to be, be, be able to say to his buddies, hey, that is not good what you are doing. And that is what empowerment includes. It includes having that that strength, that power to go and stop other people from doing bad things. So, mm-hmm. so, and we need to support. So if, if somebody out there wants to stop others, he needs that backup and he needs that support to be able to do it. My fear is he goes back into the school environment and his friends start teasing him and saying, oh, you're a sissy or, or whatever. Um, and then he just to to keep the peace and not to be mocked by his friends or bullied by his friends, he's going to toe the line and he's going to stop doing the good deeds. Yeah. So to be, you need to be fully empowered to be able to turn around to those, those boys and say, up yours, I'm going to stop you. I don't want you to do this. It's wrong. And mm-hmm. so getting, getting that, that ability to feel that power and to have that strength of character to stand up for what you believe in, that to me is what empowered is. Beautiful. And um, Lois, I love what you're doing to eradicate sexual violence and have these conversations about um, toxic masculinity. So what are your kind of two, three-year goals with this program? And um, I'm really curious to hear about that. Well, my aspiration, my dream is to travel the world, speaking on international stages, sharing my story, sharing my brave model, coaching people around the world and just one, each one, teach one, reach one. You know, you if you mm. can get one who passes the message on to the next. So maybe I'll come to Canada and talk in Canada. <laughs> I would love to have you here. I don't know anyone that... Uh... I don't. I can try to get you on a stage. I don't know anyone right now, but uh, in the future, that's my goal: is to know people that uh, that can help out with that. Uh, but Lois, I appreciate you so much for for being here. Why don't you give everyone a one minute, two minute spiel about your about where people can find you, what work they can buy, what uh, anything about you that uh, can help support you and and your growth. Thank you. Well, it's easy. Just remember the words: walking without skin. Walking Without Skin. I have a web page with that name. I have a Facebook page with that name and just released a book with that name. So my, my first book, which is my story, it, it's it's subtitled From Fear to Forgiveness to Freedom. And it, it goes, it shows my model from uh, victim to survivor to thriver and beyond. And so it covers, and at the end I say, watch this space for brave <laughs> so mm. the next book will have to be brave but if you just go to walking without skin i've got a couple of free um little uh, ebooks and things and then of course my book which you must read <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, i do coaching i do group coaching and one-on-one coaching and i do workshops i can do it remotely um, via zoom i do workshops with especially with teenagers Thank you so much again for joining me today. And uh, thank you for sharing your story. You are brave and uh, I really love your brave model. So so thank you for, t- for talking about it today. Thank you, Luke. I think the work you're doing is amazing. Well done. Thank you. Thank you very much.
Thank you everyone so much for listening to this week's episode of The Imperfect Pod. If you would like to find out more about today's guest, you can connect with her on her website, walkingwithoutskin.com, on her social medias. She is on Facebook at Walking Without Skin, Twitter at Lois Wag, on Instagram at Lois underscore Wagner underscore, and YouTube at Lois Wagner Coaching Conversations for Change. As always, links to all those in the description below. If you enjoyed the episode, it would mean the world to me if you took 60 seconds and pressed the follow button, subscribe button, or left a review. If you would like to discuss today's topic further, please feel free to message me on Instagram at The Imperfect Pod or connect with me on LinkedIn at Luke West or uh, shoot me an email at Luke at The ImperfectPod.com. Also, again, Movember, Gautham's link in the description below. I look forward to next week's episode. Cheers.